Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, once again, is our friend from Giant Bomb, Austin Walker. Thanks for having me, Rob. Uh, thanks for joining me. Uh, this is kind of a, um, I have an awkward confession to make to you, Austin. Uh-huh. When I proposed we would do a show on in uh, on Satellite Rain, uh-huh. I was very confident that Satellite Rain was about to win the uh, 3MA backer poll on Ooh, Patreon. I uh, see. It, it jumped out to an unprecedented like twenty vote lead on the first day of voting uh, as to what our top, what our what our listener chosen topic should be in January. So I was like, Austin, my man. Yep. Let's let's talk about cyberpunk because I know that is something that you have a lot of thoughts about. You're really I have so knowledgeable many about that yeah. that body of work. Yeah. Um, and then satellite rain didn't win. What won instead? <laughs> uh hegemony hegemony three. Oh, okay sure i can see that uh so like i don't know exactly what happened perhaps there was some sort of cyberpunk-esque like caper on the uh, on the poll itself someone someone jacked into your your internet and overcame all of your black ice and you know switched all of the poll data got it yeah pretty much and so uh you know, a a, few, a couple like a couple weeks ago, you got in touch and you were like, "All right, I'm ready to talk cyberpunk. I'm ready to talk satellite rain," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, let's let's do let's that. Do that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but actually, I really I really did want to talk about it. And and to be fair, uh, satellite rain only lost by like two votes. Okay, uh, so that's was, like that's a close call. It's worth ta- and it's worth talking about. I really do think that. Uh, yes, very much so. And so, and I, I wasn't going to miss the chance to have a conversation about Satellite Rain and cyberpunk games, uh, particularly strategy games, mm-hmm. uh, with you. So, so I thought we'd, I thought we'd get around to, get around to doing that. So, you know, I've been, I've been preparing, uh, for a little while. Last night, I rewatched Ghost in the Shell. Okay. That's a good uh, one to been, go back to. I've been just getting in, just getting my cyberpunk on. And uh, I've been I've been playing a, a fair bit of, of Satellite Rain, which is a and right away, it's an incredibly difficult game to pigeonhole. It is so. You want to, I guess introduce what Satellite Rain is for the audience. Yeah. Uh, so it is from uh, Five Live Studios, mm-hmm. and here is the way I would here here is here's the way I would summarize this game, and then you you can you can tell me what you think of that. Uh, for me. This is uh, Freedom Force uh, meets Invisible Ink. <sighs> I get that. I think that that's probably on the... But it has something that neither of those games has, which is it has an open world. Yes. Right? And that is an important quality, I think, for Satellite Rain. Um, but it is like Freedom Force in the sense that you are building characters and it is a real-time... Um, I guess Freedom Force was turn-based, actually, wasn't it? No, it was not. It was real-time, which is why that game is... Why the game is so freaking hard and difficult, and it's why Satellite Rain is so hard. Um, yes. is yeah, it is, it is a real time tactics game uh, in which you control a small but very elite team, um, with, with kind of uh, a lot of different powers that that can, um, you know, get you into trouble. Basically, that's that's my story of Satellite Rain is oh, my new character can this character can do this now? Oh, I'm in a deep, a deep load of mess. Uh oh, I got myself into a mess. Yeah, and I, and I think that's you know it's 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 real time tactical, but I think it's also like real time tactical RPG because yes. each of your characters in your party uh, has really specialized roles and loadout, and you know if you're if you're really doing what you should be doing, uh, you're you're kind of making all these you know it's like a band right you're making right. all the pieces sort of play together yes. Uh, and that requires actually both a, a fair bit of like uh, fast fingers and yep. quick reactions and incredible situational awareness. Uh, and at that point, it, th- there are times like, you know, if when unexpected things happen in this game, I get that same sort of brain overheating feeling that I get when a match in StarCraft is starting to sort of slip beyond my ability to control. When there's just like one or two more things going on than you can actually keep control of and like you know that if you could slow things down maybe you'd be able to to do that yeah like on paper you could work out what the problems are here. yeah and, but and, in and real time they aren't even necessarily that difficult right uh although it's, sometimes they are but a lot of times it feels like well look i just need to okay i just need to break contact with this mm-hmm. guard and okay there's a drone coming around the other corner so i can't <laughs> go down that alley yep 
So I should go down that main thoroughfare. I should put my guns away. I should hack that closed circuit TV. So if I just do those things, we'll be fine. Except that takes a few moments in which like things will go more and more wrong. So it, it becomes it's this really interesting game because it has a lot of the sort of excitement and pacing that you get from an RTS, mm. but it has a lot of the problems that I associate actually with like uh, stealth games and turn-based strategy. Uh, and yet it doesn't really follow any of the conventions of any of these. And the weird thing is satellite rain. I think a lot of people, the game I saw this compared to more than anything was bullfrogs, old syndicate games. Totally. We know when, when it was in Kickstarter mode, when people were, were crowdfunding it, that was the the sort of little promise or the wink and a nod that, that they were giving was like, hey, that old that, that new syndicate game came out that was a first person shooter. No one wanted that, they say, even though I really liked that game. Uh, and, and they say, hey, you know, what if there was a, a new traditional real time syndicate game or a, a cyberpunk game about you know, developing a corporation in a sense and doing that by walking the streets of a weird cyberpunk world, uh, killing a lot of people and and also, you know, per- persuade trotting them like you did in the old in the old syndicate. You know, give them give someone a device that you just hack into someone's brain and, and take them over. Uh, so I think the promise was definitely that, you know, whether or not it was it was uh, explicit or implicit, it was definitely there looking at that that initial Kickstarter pitch. But I end up thinking as I play this. I end up thinking this is actually a much more clever and uh, nuanced game than any of the syndicates ever dreamed of being. And to be fair, I loved the old syndicates, but fundamentally, those were kind of shoot 'em ups with a little bit more going on upstairs, right? Right. You you could equip your team and develop new weapons for them, and, and that was it. But mostly, you you kind of control aid, get got everyone together, moved them forward as a big, like, uh, a kind of blob of violence, and yeah, then wipe people with out. A, with a breastwork of human shields around you that you <laughs> yes. persuade or troned. God, I love that. It was like, um, oh, oh God, what's, the, oh, oh, God, the, the, the game, the console game, that you're the ball that rolls around. And oh, Katamari, them. yeah, you yeah. Katamari together civilians to stand between you and the incoming bullets, yes. Yeah, and it was like, I, I remember when I, when I played that game, and, and here I think is the first, like, I think good like any good cyberpunk game needs to have this feel feeling of like illicit transgressiveness. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I played Syndicate, it just blew my goddamn mind cuz like yeah, I played Doom. You're killing demons, whatever. <laughs> this right. was the first time that like I the this level I remember vividly. It was like the first level where they gave you um uh miniguns. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just an insanely powerful weapon at that stage of the game. And I was walking around surrounded by like 30 or 40 civilians who by mm-hmm. the way would also just pick up guns and so your they would follow whatever you were targeting um and i remember the first time like i got in a firefight with uh enemy agents and police yeah and i open up with the miniguns and incoming fire and within seconds there's like 50 like dead people in the yep. streets there is there's a person who was driving past their car just exploded <laughs> uh and it was like unbelievable carnage and it, i thought that was like the most hardcore and insanely cool thing i'd ever seen we were also both very young when we first played that game and I, I i kind of think that that's also a thing about cyberpunk that maybe is different now that i'm a little bit older is like i've gone from that being my draw to cyberpunk to other things being my draw to cyberpunk but i can't yet i can't fully deny that the aesthetic of just like neon and smoke and the the empty like nihilism and the 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 valuelessness of of a, a single human that i'm still kind of into that bit of cyberpunk too you know um that said i think that satellite rain is a much different game than that than the thing that you just described right like you couldn't do the thing you could try to do the thing you just talked about uh, but it would probably end up with you being dead because the game expects more of you than that. It, it doesn't. It doesn't expect you to just like get a bunch of people with a bunch of guns and walk them into a place and shoot them. If you do that, you will probably be overwhelmed, um, and bit by bit, you'll lose that fight. You'll lose one agent, and that's a huge loss. And then it just steamrolls from there, or it kind of snowballs rather, to where like, oh, my my tank went or my soldier went down. Now my support is down. Uh oh, I'm gonna try to run my infiltrator away and break line of sight long enough to. Oh no, I'm dead. I'm dead. And that's that's a. I like that feeling it's a much more it is a game about infiltration as much as it is as it is about gunplay yeah and you have and the cool thing is you have you have options in, in how you want to, want to approach things like you can mm-hmm. definitely lean into the 
I'm going to shoot my way into every single secure facility. <laughs> if I get overmatched, I'm just going to make sure that I've researched the biggest and best guns. Yes. Uh, and just like, cause there's a, there's, there's a few weapons where like, if you, if you bust those things out, you might be getting zerged, but right. you're still going to be putting people down fast. Yeah. Um, or, or you could, and, and like, this is like, I guess maybe to paint a picture of the game, like, all right, you get a mission. Your mission is that there is something inside of a secure facility that you need to retrieve. You need to get your infiltrator, which is one of the four classes. It's infiltrator, support, soldier, and uh, sniper. Is sniper the last? Oh, hacker. Hacker, hacker is the last yeah. one, right? Of course, of course. I always get hacker and infiltrator confused yes. in my mind. Um, and you need to get your infiltrator inside of a, a secure building, inside of a secure complex. Uh, and, and that complex exists in a kind of an isometric top-down, like, open world uh, that is really beautifully rendered. Um, and so there's this whole like arc of like, okay, I'm going to case the joint. I'm going to walk around and, and look and see if there's a, uh, if there's a, a mode of egress here. Can I, can I take a zip line in from a nearby building? Can I uh, bribe a guard who will open the door or look the other way while I go in the side door? Uh, will I take on a side quest in which I go somewhere else in the city and pay someone so that they, or, or, you know, threaten them so that they'll let me know what the, the secret back way is into this place. Then you go in and, and you know, like Rob said, like you could have upgraded all of your weapons so that you can you can withstand that firefight or you could set up your sniper in a in a in a position above the, the rest of the team and, and have them pick off the the enemies that are running towards your soldier who is has been specced to tank and like and just like soak up that damage while your support like heals them. It's it's it can be this really intricate game. And when that stuff is all like firing on all cylinders, it made me feel really great. Yeah. And. The other thing that I think makes that really uh, even cooler than it sounds is it is all in the context of this open world. Yes. So there is this feeling that before you even begin, like the mission to break into a facility, because that's broadly what the what the missions that are doled out. Yeah. Like you're in this open world and you are in these districts, but then within the districts, there are these basically like corporate fortresses uh, that are secured with. Lots of guards, lots of uh, drones, lots of uh, surveillance cameras. And the moment you step into those, uh, the moment you're detected, uh, you read as hostile. Right. Whereas in the open world, you can wander wherever you want. And as long as you're not like running down the street with automatic weapons out, like everyone's cool. Uh, <laughs> but, but even there, there was this like feeling of vulnerability, which I love. Like there was a there's a place in one of the early districts. that's like a a major facility and across from it is a parking lot. And I yes. just remember and walking exactly towards that about. zone and being like, well, if things go hairy here and I try to and I try to get out of here. That parking lot is going to be the death of me because there's no cover there. I'll have to sprint across this this parking lot and I'll just be like right for the picking. And I love that feeling of just like I'm out in the open all the time here. It, it's it's really well, fantastic. This is this is the other part of the cyberpunk fantasy, right? Which is this intimacy with cities, right? And actually, you know, I think here's 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 a here's a pitch for you. Uh, <laughs> I think actually one of the first cyberpunk stories or movies was actually three days of the condor huh uh because that is like in the like yes it is all ridiculous analog like 1970s technology totally but it is about a nerd mm -hmm. whose job is just to read nerd shit yep his life is saved at the start of the movie because he knows a secret passageway to the restaurant where he's getting his lunch order and that actually right. ends up saving him throughout the movie because he knows he has new this... york Right, he knows the city. He understands that. Yeah. Um, well, like I'll give you a, a counter early kind of proto cyberpunk story or, or film specifically, which is Sneakers, which is the other side oh. of that. Uh, one, I just love Sneakers. Everyone should watch Sneakers if you haven't. If you haven't, yet. just watched it a few months ago. Holds up insanely well, actually. Does we'll it? get to that in a second. Uh, also, these are both Redford films. Actually, now that I think about it, aren't yeah. they? That's amazing. Yes, they are. Um, so in Sneakers, it's the other side of things, which is even though you know the city almost better than anyone, the city has has places where you're not safe. It has the tunnel that is not surveilled. It has the space out on the on the outskirts of it where your knowledge fails you. And I think it's that combination of those two things. It's you know the city really well, and also your your knowledge will fail you here and there. Or despite your knowledge, the city is not yours. It is it is something to be used by those who have the power over it. And those two things do combine really nicely. Uh, maybe we're, I don't want to say we're overselling that in Satellite Rain, but but I think that I got those, I did get that vibe while playing it, you well, know? I, I think what, like, in Satellite Rain, what's cool, though, is as you learn these districts and learn these neighborhoods, 
you start to develop that connection with the place where like, yeah. I know, I know the exact parking lot you're talking about, right. but I also know that just north of the parking lot, there's an alley that outlets on the two different streets uh, <laughs> right. that are farther away from the secure facilities. And mm-hmm. so the parking lot, yeah, that's, that's a death trap. But if you can get out of there quickly and into those alleys, uh, you can possibly make an escape. But this totally. is this is the, the cool thing that Satellite Rain has that actually a lot of cyberpunk-esque games don't uh, because they it's it's kind of just an aesthetic uh, they, right. they deploy. But Satellite Rain really is about this this idea of, of place and intimacy with the city. And mm-hmm. as you do these missions and prepare to break into these facilities, the, the part the other thing that you're doing is you are learning the neighborhood. You're learning the routes. You're learning... Right where things are that are going to cause you problems or where the things are that will somehow like get you out of trouble. And right. that is a very cool thing that satellite rain does that I don't think a lot of other games do. I think that's probably dead on. Like I, I think the only, the thing that you maybe get in a few other games is just about like um, maneuverability or mobility of just like, Oh, I know where there is a shortcut here, but most games don't take advantage of it in that way. Um, because most of them aren't as open as satellite rain is, uh, it is a very unique thing in its class. Like I can't think of other, first of all, I can't think of many other open world tactical games to begin with. Right. Yeah. Um, let alone ones that, that, that dip into the cyberpunk stuff like this. Um, I guess like shadow on returns has a bit of that, but everything there is so discreet and is not very interested in the city as a place or as, uh, the city as a place mechanistically it, it is a city it's all often about cities and and the narratives are often about cities and the the art design is but it's rarely about you really and you're learning the the politics of a place and the character the characters in a place the, the 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 movers and shakers but you're not learning how to move in the city in the same way you are in satellite rain um, and that's really fantastic. You know, my, my big, if, if we want to just talk briefly a little bit more broadly about cyberpunk. Yes. One of my modern or one of my, I, maybe it's actually a postmodern critique of cyberpunk is that it's not even of cyberpunk in general. It's of the way cyberpunk has changed historically over the time, to- over time, right? Like it emerges in a time where it's a response to, uh, the rest of science fiction and a response to the political moment. Uh, and the economic moment that it emerges in the, in the 1980s, uh, you know, at the rise of Thatcherism, the rise of, of Reagan, the rise of of cheaper luxury electronic goods from East Asia, um, the the very earliest stages of uh, you know public access to to internet technologies, um, and it's a time of like a, a lot of cynicism for those who were who had could could glimpse a better world and instead were we're facing one in which possibilities seem to be closing down uh, while major corporations just broadcast how many great possibilities you had. Um, and somewhere along the line in the history of cyberpunk, I think it lost that. My my analogy for this has always been that like, you know, Blade Runner opens up with oil fields on fire and, you know, the 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 eye of, of the corporation looking down over it um, kind of ambivalently. And then it cuts to flying cars and to glowing neon signs and everyone forgets that oil field on fire and everyone remembers the flying car and that to me depoliticizes cyberpunk and and even just reintroducing the city as core helps to to recognize in fact no 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 this is this genre isn't just about neon and smoke and flashing lights and mirror shades it is about those things too i can't you can't say that that <laughs> stuff isn't key right but that stuff is all situated inside of a material world and i think at the very least Satellite Rain tries to do that, you know? Yeah, I think for me, like, Satellite Rain, what I find interesting is that, um, okay, so a lot of, like, earlier cyberpunk games, I would say, uh, yes, there's this awareness that, uh, you are surrounded by advertising. Corporations <laughs> run the mm-hmm. world. Uh, that like ads are just another way to lure you into prison, and right. you're all under the all-seeing eye of uh, you know, call it capitalism, call it the man, whatever. Right. Well, you, can, you know, it can go either way, right? Cyberpunk can go capitalism, or it can go socialism, yeah. right? It can go big government, or it can go big business most yeah. of the time. But. A lot of your 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 classic uh, cyberpunk heroes seem to be like, yeah, but you like unlike all these other sheeple, like you're the individual, and you can right. still carve out this this niche for yourself. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting in Satellite Rain 
is that Satellite Rain still takes place, uh, like, it, it's sort of this evolution of cyberpunk a little bit in that it, it's much more interested now in our modern panopticon. Uh, right, society right. than than I think a lot of earlier cyberpunk was where yeah it it has all the classic trappings but fundamentally this is a game about the paranoia of always knowing there's a million eyes ready to lock onto you the moment you step out of line and often it's about how and in this case you are the rogue agent in question but the way rogue agents can take advantage of that right like so one of the elements in this game that we haven't touched on yet uh, is this kind of transhumanist thing of you know, in, in the old uh, Syndicate games, you had the Persuadatron, where you could p- persuade people to stand in front of you and take bullets. In this, your hacker can hack into people's minds and then send them back to your home base, where you can strip them of their genetic code and rebuild your agents in their image. Um, and the reason you might do that is because you've learned through access to uh, uh, kind of um, – uh, the, the kind of panop- the panoptic system that that lets you have access to to like who these people are and what their what their biographies are you know like oh this person is actually like extra smart or extra fast this person has a bonus to their to their like they're extra hardy they can take more bullets um and and that's really interesting right it's like just walking through the street walking through a market with in in kind of the world scan mode and saying oh, let's see what what's this person up to? oh okay this person gives me a bonus to this i'm going to go disappear them now <laughs> Like they would be good in my in my little mini army, um, and that's really you know that hits that gray area we were talking about before in Syndicate, where instead of it just being oh I'm mowing down civilians, it's oh all civilians are just pieces to me. They're just little things that I can take advantage of so that I can get a, a step up on my enemy, um, and that is is dark, you know. Yeah, that was something I wasn't aware of was in the game until like they they teach you right like yes, oh yes. here go go hijack a person. Uh, and uh, until then, I was like, ah, I can actually play this game pretty humanely. Yes. But, but then the game is like, yeah, but what if you just strip these people for parts? Right. What the if you just I, strip them for brain parts? There's a thing I do when I do this. And again, this is one of these options that that it it's, it was a very – I think this is like one of those things where, some, where it reveals that the developers were really thinking about this stuff. Is that when you – uh, when you switch an agent into a new body or you just in the agent management screen, you can decide what they're dressed like. Uh, and you can, if you find, let's say you find some scientist and you, you recruit them and you, you put your, your agent in their body, you can have them wear like your default agent gear or you can have them wear what they came with. You can say, oh, this, this guy I kidnapped had these really cool cyber glasses. He's going to keep wearing those and he'll keep wearing his hair the same way instead of looking like my weird like neon PMC. He's going to look the way he used to look. And I did that almost all the time or it was like i'm gonna you're gonna stay you're gonna keep this one little bit of your individuality even though there's a different human in your brain now you're gonna get to keep wearing your mohawk the way you had it before because you were a cool gutter punk i want to i want to let your body at least have that continuity um and that's one of those decisions they did not need to make they could have just like automatically made any body you steal look just like the the kind of default bodies that you start with and i really like that they gave you that option to to kind of play around aesthetically even a little bit yeah. Uh so the 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 uh, the other part of this is when you start doing these raids on on facilities where I think it turns into much more of a classic yeah. uh stealth game or or it turns into the wild bunch. Uh for for me it was it was <laughs> Which more way did a, you play? Yeah. Uh for me it was more of a stealth game cuz actually yeah. when when things got out of hand, I just like things went bad fast because especially early on None of your agents really hit all that hard. Correct. So it takes an awful lot. It's a weird thing. Uh, So Syndicate feels sort of realistic in that a hail of gunfire kills a lot of people. Like, Like nobody sits there and tanks a lot of damage. The only reason your agents and Syndicate could do it is because they're basically cyborgs. Right. Here, uh, pretty much everyone can just soak damage. Every last yeah. cop on the beat, every security guard, <laughs> like people just exchanging like fire from like five feet away and slowly chunking each other's uh, hit point hit point bars down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the problem is, it's very it was very hard at the start to wrap up a fight fast enough for me then to then make an escape. Usually it turned into, oh, God, will these two guys just fucking go down? And eventually they did. But by that point, there was like a platoon of new agents uh, showing up. 
And um, at that point, it, beca- it became for me, okay, well, I'm going to leave one of my agents but back to yes. die. And when you do that, uh, you know, for the listeners who maybe haven't played this, what ends up happening is you lose whatever clone body you've given them. So if you've, if you've stolen a really great clone body from the streets, and by clone body, I mean a person. If you've, if you've taken a person out of existence so that you can use them as a clone for your, for your army, uh, you know, for your elite squad, if they die in that body, they lose that body. And so they have to revert to a previous body. Um, which is really fantastic. I love that a lot. Uh, but it became, oh, I'm going to lose this fight. I can probably get two or three of my people away, which is the one that I'm going to leave behind to take fire. And that isn't bad necessarily, but it never felt like the cool escape that I wanted to make in the early game, you know? No, it didn't. Now, there there are other interesting things, like the fact that the world is actually only aware of the agent who's committed a transgression. Yes. Uh, which is actually kind of a cool thing, because then you can make the choice... Oh god, I need to pull these. There's too many guys by this mm-hmm. entrance to the to the base. Uh so I'm going to have my soldier uh basically go and just open fire uh on yep. some dudes across the street. And everyone's going to converge on him. The world's going to lock on him. And then the rest of your team who could be standing literally like five feet away from him when it's he very does this. Sweet. In matching uniforms, yeah. in the same glowing neon pink that that he's wearing. Yeah, everyone's just like I don't know this man. Never seen this man before in my life. And like nobody notices. Go, yeah, you guys better go after him. He seems dangerous. Yeah. But it, it but it is this cool thing where like you can decide, like, you know, I don't for the strategy I'm about to run, I don't really need this. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really need this guy. Right. I just uh, need to get someone inside this building. I don't once they're away from here, I don't need to to tank a lot of damage. This isn't gonna be a big combat mission once I'm inside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I ended up doing an awful lot with just my hacker uh, running mm-hmm. around inside facilities. And then it's a lot of, like, you know, hide here, wait for the patrol to pass, go hack the, um, you know. And the the other part of this is it, it, it's kind of a, you know, teach a man, teach a man to hack a fish. Uh, <laughs> he eats for a day. Uh, to, yeah, and so, like, the other part of this is... Where you like trying to find the places that control large swaths of systems, right? Uh, and those are often harder to reach, but if you can knock them out, you can basically black out an entire area, and then you know, then you have huge amounts of freedom to maneuver and operate. And it's mm-hmm. it's very cool when like you suddenly like you know it's it's dominoes falling. You know, you bring down the cameras. Uh, you know, you, once you the cameras t- are down, you can get past them, and then you can get to the back door and open that up, where you have your strongest agents waiting to come in and just like lay waste to to things. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it actually feels really cool because, like, you know, these things, these these facilities, all begin the game as like castles, but yeah. you get a guy inside it, and you have caught con- like it is no longer a castle. Like you own it, but nobody inside that realizes it until you bring down the drawbridge, and your guys come pouring in. And you just like demolish it and take mm-hmm. what you want and go. And then it's like, that's that's cyberpunk. That's what I want. That's what I want to yeah. do in my cyberpunk daydream. Right. Totally. Like it hits it. It hits that stuff so well. Um, and it it you know I, I the the only thing that I'm I'm really mixed on this is the, maybe my only the only thing I can't you know I can't decide if I like this or not is that by default there is no pause in this game. And the thing yes. I like about it is the is the hurried stressed rts style starcraft style like there are too many things for me to focus on right now and that is very i think that's very thematically in in on point with with cyberpunk um but i also have been trained by games that have been this difficult to want to have a tactical pause uh, and so there is a, one of the character classes, the support class, gets a thing called, I think it's called Team Stims. It's like, you know, the, you inject your team <laughs> with some yeah. sort of stimulant. Also um, very syndicate, because remember you could, yes. in syndicate, you had the three drugs. I don't remember what they all did. But cause the only way I ever used them was to just do the panic button and every right. drug just like spiked. Yes. Uh, and your guys turned super. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically all I did too. Um and so in this, you can you can hit this button basically once once the character has the skill that will slow down time to a crawl. And there's an option in the options menu because people in the early access portion of Satellite Rain were very frustrated by the lack of 
sorry, there's a motorcycle outside, probably some cyberpunk going off to do some crime. Uh, so during the early access period, people were upset that there wasn't a tactical pause. And so they, they gave you an option in the, in the game creation tool, you know, when you start a, a new game to say, oh, just give my support character the team stim skill maxed out right away. Um, and so I've played the game both ways and I can't decide if I like it at all. Um, because it does take away a lot of the tension when you can just slow the game down to a crawl. Uh, and I don't, I just don't feel like I am doing the cool cyberpunk thing yes. when it's like, oh, it's three minutes moving at a crawl where I'm making every perfect decision. At the same time, I'm not always in a place because, you know, I come home late from work one day and I'm like, I'm going to play some Satellite Rain. Uh, no, I'm not. It's too stressful for me. Yep. I can't keep up right now. And I don't know if there's some middle ground there I could have found or what, but, but it, yeah. it is a single player competitive RTS, right? In terms of the way it feels, and that is that is a thing that like my, this this is the this is the thing I have with it. Uh, there's a lot of things I really like in it. Uh, there's an awful lot of times where I would not have called the experience of playing that game actually <laughs> fun. <laughs> yes. Yes, that is, I think, dead on in that there are plenty of times or, you know, the thing that's that's interesting, too, is like I could tell the story of the stuff I just did. If my friend said, hey, well, you played Satellite Rain for a couple hours. Like, what did you do? And I could say, oh, you know, I, I met I met up with this guy outside of a Chinese food place and I bribed him so that so that he would deactivate the cameras near the the, the high vent nearby. And I, I sent my infiltrator in through the high vent and then I snuck them through the facility. And like but in actuality, I kind of was just on pins and needles the whole time and not the good kind just the kind of like i don't want to load my save i don't want to please don't make me load my save please don't make me lose this cool body i found like i'm not whereas normally when i play these sorts of games i don't mind losing so much because it feels and this is like traditional like kind of almost classic games criticism right of just it feels like in other games like for instance invisible ink if i fuck up it's because i fucked up it's not because I was overwhelmed. And I'm, I don't want to dismiss that overwhelming. I think that that can be really cool. I've just been in a place personally, I think, lately while playing Satellite Rain where I'm already overwhelmed. <laughs> Life is already really busy for me right now, Rob. I don't also need to feel constantly overwhelmed in that same way. And, and so much of the fantasy of a game like this is the feeling of competence. Yes. Uh, I mean, your, your, your classic cyberpunk hero, your story is an omnicompetent, a team of yep. awesome people do a thing like that is basic like that is neuromancer like yeah, that, that is neuromancer that is exactly what that, that is ghost in the shell both yeah. the the movie and the the show it is it is so many it is basically every shadow run thing ever like yeah. to a fault probably um and and it's too easy to be completely incompetent oh yeah like the moment the moment like your cyberpunk fantasy like starts to devolve into something that could be best accompanied by like yakety sax. Yes. Is the moment like I am no longer having the experience the game is trying to package. Like, yes. yeah, like the neon is like glowing off the rain slick streets and everything. But in the meantime, like everyone is running around with their hair on fire. Just like like just getting cornered, just getting like knocked to the ground by cops. There's there's a guy who's like misclicked and he's hacking the wrong thing. Yes. And Stop like hacking I'm... that ATM. Why are you hacking that ATM? <laughs> Please hack that turret. Yeah. Yeah. There are there are moments when it felt like a really like a, like a game of company of heroes that had gone wrong yes. of just like oh this is i i can hold i need just hold this point i need to hold these three points okay it's okay i can hold these two points if i can just hold these two okay i'm gonna all my guys are dead i'm gonna hold this one person there i'm gonna keep <laughs> producing infantrymen i'm gonna throw these infantrymen back at because you know when you lose a character there are ways to kind of replace them either in the field or to summon them back at a kind of beacon and there were definitely times when it was just like just hold out here. I'm running the person who just died back into this firefight from nearby. And that just feels like that's not the fantasy. The fantasy isn't that that Motoko gets killed on her way into the into the facility and a new one spawns down the road. <laughs> and she like bursts back in the already bursted through window. And she goes through the window, kills everybody, gets the data and gets out. And like you can do that. And when it works, it works so well. But when it doesn't work, it it when you fail at it you it really it really stings and not always in the way that that encourages you to dive back in you know yeah and i think part of the other issue is i think satellite rain has sort of a death spiral problem yes which is once things go wrong like i get it 
I fucked up. Like, I'm done. Like, I, mm-hmm. I need to back off and try this again. But it doesn't want to let you do that. Yeah. Instead, it wants to, like, chase you down, corner you, and send you off to jail, which is, that is how the that is how this world would respond, sure. But it doesn't give me an opportunity to, like, sort of throw my hands up and say, you know what? We're going to step away from this entire thing. Yeah. We're going to give a few minutes for the heat to die down. Going to yep. get my guys back together. And then we'll try it again. It basically forces you to reload because once that once that spiral starts, you're uh, in it. Yeah, and there's it's so hard. It's so hard to sort of break contact and stay hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and part of that is there actually aren't that many good hiding places uh, in right. this world. There's escape routes, yes. but it's actually very hard to find places where like uh, guards or drones or cameras aren't going to spot you. Which, again, is probably thematically appropriate. You talk about the Panopticon, you talk about the surveillance state. But it doesn't mean that it is pleasurable in in a way. Uh, And that's – I hate being that person who was saying right now, uh, sometimes satellite rain just isn't good fun. But but sometimes it isn't. Uh, At the same time, I do want to say that there's one thing that it could have learned from another cyberpunk game that maybe we can talk about. Maybe not right this second, but soon, which is have have you ever wiped in Invisible Ink? Yes, of course. Okay, so like my favorite thing, one of my favorite things in Invisible Ink, which is one of my favorite games in the last few years, is that when you're down to your last character and it is clear that they are going to die, there is a quip button. You hit the quip button, they say something, you know, nihilistic and charming, and then they get shot in the face and die. And like that little bit takes the edge off because it changes it from being the cyberpunk story about the omnicompetent A-team to the cyberpunk story about the like bafflingly competent yet still you know uh completely tragic it's, it's spike spiegel lighting right. a cigarette and falling yes. down the stairs that's exactly it it's that instead of instead of you know modico breaking through the glass it's the kind of like oh how did we even how did we even get here i may as well look really cool while i die um and again we can come back around to invisible ink but but it's like i think that's a game where i fail a lot but i never feel bad about that failure i always sit back and say okay what have i learned like who do i want to bring in next time what what can i what techniques can i can i did i did i stumble into this time that are now going to become part of my repertoire so that next time i can use this thing that i figured out all the time instead of just in the one the one place where it saved me you know yeah i i mean i i think so this is an inter- interesting thing that I, I've sort of been encountering more and more as I've discussed different sorts of games in the last uh, in the last few months. I don't know; it just seems to be coming up. Uh, I had this conversation with Bruce Garrick about like types of randomness that we like versus don't mm. like. Like it drives him crazy when a die roll doesn't tell him like how his modifier played into the eventual <laughs> outcome. And I'm like, why do you care? Like you paid for the die roll, you didn't. It doesn't matter if you you either failed or you or, or you didn't. It doesn't matter by how much. Was that a sorcerer king? After no, that was a chaos. I, I chaos... believe that was sorcerer king. Yeah, sorcerer king. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was that or it was the uh, chaos. Um, what's the what's the game I'm thinking of? That oh my god. Oh no, no, it. chaos reborn. Chaos reborn. Yes, that, it might have been no, chaos reborn. sorry, it was chaos reborn. Okay. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, Whereas, but yes, where, he was very adamant that that he wanted to see what all of the percentages were to the number. Right. Whereas I like get, I am driven crazy by things like in the in the Chaos Reborn example of like, oh, you got a forty percent chance of not even casting the spell for some reason. Like I'm okay <laughs> with missing with the spell, right? But right. when my wizard can't even cast it, I'm just pissed off, right? And I think the thing in Invisible Ink is. Your characters always do the thing. They yep. always like have like they they're always super competent. The question is whether or not they use their superpower cleverly. And that's right. on you. Yes. But you always use the superpower. That is there was so I that's a game that I followed even more than I followed Satellite Rain in, in early access. I followed Invisible Ink since it was incognita. Um when it was doing an early access run that was not even on Steam, or like it was through Steam, but you had to go to their site and buy a humble key basically to, to get into it. Um, and at the time when it first was in production, Invisible Ink was a game with XCOM style hit percentages um, and a very complicated critical system and uh, health points and armor classes. And it was like a pretty traditional, if cyberpunk, version of, of, of a kind of tactical RPG. Um, and when they got rid of those hit percentages, that became, if I'm remembering right, they they also did it in a really kind of 
slow and steady way where I can imagine the development team realizing what they were what they were getting at. Like, oh, there's something really good here. So because it went from, oh, you can miss to, okay, you always hit, but there's a chance you'll crit and do an extra one damage, and that will be fantastic, to, no, you always hit, and anything that gets shot is dead. Anything that gets past an armor class, if someone has two armor and you have a gun that goes through two armor, you kill them. Um, and that move ended up being what I think is like the the most the smartest thing and also kind of the most novel thing about that game, which is that it's very chess-like. Um, you know, the rook can always move down its rank this, as much as it wants down those those two ranks and that, or those four ranks, and that's it, right? It can move horizontally, it can move vertically, it can do the thing, and it will always be able to do the thing. Uh, and it's just what, like you said, it's what you do with that. Um, is that was that basically your experience with with Invisible Ink? Yeah, and I mean, uh, to, to me that to, and and that is the sort of thing where failing in that context, I'm cool with. Not, mm. I'm also like I'm cool with failing in Invisible Ink, but the question is which feels more satisfying and, and more fun. Right. Uh, in Invisible in Invisible Ink. Uh, when I screw up, it's like, yes, but all the things did the thing they're supposed to. Every <laughs> single piece performed as expected. Right. And I never feel screwed. I just totally screwed myself. Right. In uh, Satellite Rain, it's it's more like, and this is and this is this is the thing, and this is why, like, I think RTSs have become really hard to make, uh, or at least at least really hard to make popular. Most people don't, and I think I'm one of them. I don't think most people like that feeling of yeah. you just didn't hit the right bust buttons in the right order fast enough. Like you just, yeah. you just didn't have your your brain and your your reflexes were not fast enough to read the situation, put in the correct inputs, and make the simple thing you wanted to make happen actually happen. And That's so the thing now that you ended die. up being if oh if only I if only I'd activated my like my nanobot healing a, a split second earlier I would have lived is such a bad feeling in a game like this you know it's almost not as bad for me as you know in a in a competitive RTS when that happens that feels up oh, I misplayed and for whatever reason maybe because I'm playing another person who I who is also struggling not to misplay and, and struggling to hit the same buttons at the right rate and to to you know counter the things I'm throwing at them I don't feel bad when I misplay in something competitive I feel bad right but I'm never like I don't want to play this anymore because I can think and say like okay I misplayed my my not only did I not activate this this unit's special power quickly enough also I should have had this other strategy maybe whereas in in satellite rain when it goes bad because I didn't activate my team stim and then activate my nanobot and then activate the assassination quickly enough or the the one that was like the one that's been the most frustrating is there's an ability to to kind of stealth kill someone um in, in Satellite Rain, where if you attack someone without them, without being in the in combat yet, if you kind of like, I think it's control click or, or alt click, sometimes that just doesn't work for some reason. And I'm just like, oh, I'm out in the open and then they see me and now I'm in combat. When those things happen where it's, I know it's, I, did, I misclicked or I didn't hit the button right, it feels like I've wasted my time. Um, and that's just a bad feeling when I'm playing a game, you know? Yeah. I will say, like, I don't want to overstate this. It's just an Me interesting either. feeling when I fail in Satellite right. Rain that this is kind of how the failure feels. And I have to take a break and not think about it for a little while. But I, I think, like, you know, to, to sort of put a pin in what we think of Satellite Rain as a game, I still think it's actually really, really interesting. And yeah. I actually think, I A, I wish we actually talked about it last year when it came out. Uh, because this is actually uh, the, the syndicate comparison had actually turned me off. Like me all the pictures I saw were just like your bog standard generic cyberpunk aesthetic. You yeah. guys like some neon and trench coats and <laughs> mohawks. Okay. Yep. And I figured, okay, it's like somebody just like a lot of Kickstarter products. Somebody just is like wants to make a new, a new syndicate. People want a new syndicate. End of story. That's not actually what this game is. And once I discovered, like, oh, wait, this is like, this is an open world, real time RPG stealth game. That's a crazy combination of things yep. for a game to be. Uh, I actually, like, <laughs> I don't always like Satellite Rain, but I do kind of love it. Me too. I, I think I'm in the same the same boat as you. I'm thrilled that this game exists, and I, and I haven't beaten it yet. I'm probably going to go back to it uh, and and try to try to, you know, get my full fill of it. Uh, and I, I, I'm really curious to see what this team does next because they could have done the thing that you're talking about, right? They, they could have just given you 
25 levels of syndicate, you know, style, tactical, real-time stuff. And instead they gave us this big, vibrant open world that does feel different from district to district, right? That really does feel like there's some variation uh, that have some really great enemy designs, uh, really great character designs. And and I just it's just not what I expected it to be. So I'm pretty thrilled with it. Even though I also even though I also hate it when I die and and hate it when it feels like I've lost a bunch of time doing nothing. You know that's yeah. that is uh, easy come easy go. I guess. Yeah. So I mean, so that's so I mean that's that's satellite rain. You know, as mm-hmm. a game, what I find interesting is um, how well a lot of times like vaguely strategic games lend themselves to to the whole cyberpunk I- idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and more so even than there are efforts to make like cyberpunk action games, but I think like the more actiony they are, I think the more they tend to fall short of of what the dream is. And like I think the perfect example here is um, Watch Dogs tried so yes. hard to yes. be a cyberpunk fetish object. Yep, and it whiffed so hard, like spinning around and falling on its ass on home plate. Yeah, uh, is is kind of how I felt about that game. And I and did I, think- I ever did I ever tell you how I broke it to make it a better cyberpunk game? No. Uh, don't shoot anybody ever. Don't kill anybody ever. All you have is the hacking tools. Um, and that's not the and the and the baton. And if you commit yourself to never doing violence, and of course now and then you still will because you're afraid. Uh, you know, I, I kind of wrote about this a couple. Of, I wrote a piece about Shadows of Mordor. That's also a piece about Watch Dogs. That's that is kind of about this thing too, which is like when you're hiding in a closet trying to hack into a thing before the special ops team kicks in the door to kill you. If you can't shoot them, if you've committed yourself to not pulling that trigger, it is so much more tense. You are so much more vulnerable, and it is so much more about your relationship with with the technologies that you have access to, and, and undermining the ones that the other the, that your opponent is using. And suddenly, all of these like box standard like uh, shooting galleries, especially like sort of like the zones where you're supposed to go in and um, and just like kill twelve guys who are walking around in a patrol on a roof somewhere. Those things turn from like, oh, I'm just going to go in and shoot this guy and then throw a grenade, and then I guess I'll hack some cover up. Turn into these really intricate stealth puzzles that you can totally complete if you're careful and observant enough, and if you use the technology systems that are there. Um, and it kills me that somewhere in that game's development, someone said, "Up, oh, make sure you make sure they have shotguns." Yeah. Make sure you can have a shotgun, because this other version of that game it still has lots of problems. I'm not I'm not like a, an apologist for Watch Dogs by any means, but I I like went into it and said, how am I going to make this the thing I wish it was? Uh, and and that is my tip for people who have any curiosity about going back to Watch Dogs: try to never have a gun. It's it's a unique experience. And the times that you do decide, like, no, I'm gonna kill this motherfucker, is are like really emotional and and like, or like the times that you run someone over by mistake because you've committed yourself to not kill a person are like, Oh shit. Like that felt weird and bad. Like that felt like I was the hacker in the story that felt like neuromancer where the lead character is a hacker, but like, isn't, he's not like a street samurai, right? He isn't going to kill people. And so when it's time for someone to get killed, it feels like pool. Like there's a gut, there's a gut wrenching there. Um, so that, that is my one tip for, for how to salvage something from watchdogs. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't even, because because the because the game world seems so packed with enemies that the, oh, the yeah. thought of doing it without a gun just seemed crazy. Like yeah, there's so many it, places where it's like oh, I just need to get a machine gun. There here. is nothing that incentivizes you to do the thing that I just did. I think I was also playing it on hard because I wanted it to be just like, or there may have been a difficulty thing of just like the 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 difficulty mode of like oh everybody takes extra damage everybody so that when I did finally when it was time to shoot one person it was like an instant kill but like it was uh it was just one of those things of just I want it to feel as as momentous as possible when I do finally commit to doing a bad thing yeah um and that game is filled with doing bad things so I yeah anyway you're totally right in general though I think that and I think Watch Dogs is the perfect illustration of this that the more actiony a, a cyberpunk game is the worse it is at communicating something beyond flying cars and neon. Yeah, and I, you know, I remember a, a, a long time ago, and actually when I started wanting to have any excuse to talk to you about cyberpunk, uh, was during a, a long-ago tweet storm 
yes. uh, where you were where you were touching on some of these themes about like how s- cyberpunk ended up getting really hollowed out and actually fetishized for for all the wrong reasons. Uh, where where people now even kind of, I think. You know, some, there's kind of an appeal now to living in a cyberpunk world, yeah. right? Where it's like, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if we were surrounded by all this like techno crap, <laughs> yes. uh, and we were absolute like peons and cogs in the machine, and it'd be cool. I get that for like everything I like. Actually, I, I was, you know, people on Giant Bomb know that two of the things I like the most are cyberpunk and mechs. And so someone sent me a, a like a, a some deviant art of like, oh, it's a cyberpunk. In, it's like a cyberpunk mech. And they were like, oh, wouldn't it be great to live in this world? And my response was like, no, like nah, dog. Like I super don't want to live in a world with like dystopian mechs everywhere. That world sounds terrible. <laughs> Like, that's a disaster world, and and cyberpunk is that, and the thing that makes it fascinating is also it's really fucking cool, and and for me, the best cyberpunk stuff engages with that a little bit, at least, and says, like, yeah, this stuff's really cool, isn't it? Like, this terrible stuff is, like... You want to be surrounded by it, don't you? And it plays with that a little bit. Well, and, and in the cyberpunk fantasy, you are always not the sucker. You're right. always the guy who's yes. wised up. And sees, you know, you, you, you see the, you see the limits of the simulation. You're aware mm-hmm. of, you're where you're in the matrix. Right. You're always Neo. You're never just the, you're never Neo's boss. Right. And I think that actually sort of feeds into sort of the, the internet culture wars we've seen in, in games in the last year or so. Right. Is, yeah. is, is to, to, to some degree, like that people will, like people get really invested in these fantasies Mm-hmm. And it's okay, like it's okay if the world is really unequal and shitty and awful because I get to you're, be... yeah, you're an individual, you're empowered in this setting. Yes. So I actually, for people who are curious or interested, I made a, a Twine game that tries to tackle some of this stuff called A Century. It's A S C E N T U R Y. So you just go to acentury.com. That is just like that is my response to all of what we're talking about right now. Uh, the the sort of the fact that the cyberpunk fantasy has gone from one in which often some of the protagonists are very vulnerable and very – they're hyper-competent about their one special thing and they get tossed into a world that is bigger than them um, to something where everyone is the most competent, most perfect uh, kind of superhero and, and how I kind of reject that that type of cyberpunk a little bit. Um, I, you know, Beyond that, though, I do want to say, going back to this notion of, of strat- or action – cyberpunk games and whether or not they are whether or not you can do something good with them um whether or not there's there obviously there are hurdles there like we said but i think i actually do really like the syndicate shooter that came out um a few years ago that that's interesting because you joined giant bomb after they fell in love with that game but like i remember like i I think it was like jeff jeff gerstman uh was like one of the only people i think on the planet Yes. Uh, like really, really like picking that hill to die on, uh, and and fighting for it is one of the best of that year. I it is one of my favorite games of the the year it came out. Um, it does so much well in terms of aesthetic, in terms of sound design. Um, it it, it has the sort of like it's the first time I saw there's a there's here's two things I love about Syndicate is the first person shooter, um, which is by the same it's team a Star who Breeze did. Game, right? It's a Starbreeze game, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it 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 looks and sounds like a Starbreeze game in that everything has that physicality. Of just like, oh yeah, I'm a flesh and blood person, and also probably some chrome and some genetic code, you know, some genetic uh, manipulation, but mostly just flesh and blood. Um, two things: one, the my favorite, like vaguely cyberpunk, and now I think these are real things. So maybe they had actually already like seen that this was being developed in arms manufacturing. But there are like sniper rifles. Uh, there's like or like a marksman rifle that also just has uh, a close range sight on the side of the gun. Uh, and so instead of just looking down the site, you can also just tilt the gun sideways, like angle it oh my and God. look down the close. And it is the best feeling in the world to be like, okay, I'm sniping, I'm sniping, pop, 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 turn it sideways. And then put you're it gangster on, shooting. And now you're gangster shooting with a sight uh, on this rifle. And it's just, it's, 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 it understands that that's also technology, yes. right? Like technology isn't just 
jacking into the matrix. Technology is a pen. It is it is it is the ballpoint pen, or it is the, the clicker pen. That was a moment of technological advancement. Uh, oh, this doesn't need a cap anymore. We don't need to produce caps anymore. This pen is a single object now. Is a development, and, and that's like the same thing here, where it's like, oh, I don't need the long range gun and the close range gun. I just need the gun that could do both of those things, and that is as much of a technological advance. And in the multiplayer, when you develop that, it's so good because like suddenly I can take on a marksmanship role, or I can when it's time to fight the big boss. I can just turn it sideways and just dump into them, you know? I need to, I need to play this you game. Should, I, listen, I, if you want to play I, some Syndicate, you I can never play did some buy Syndicate. it. I need to get around to it. I need to actually. I think it's on Origin, and sometimes it's like $3 on to, Origin. I need to grab that. Uh, I will yell at you the next time I see it cheap because uh, right, I will play it. Because if there's you. some multiplayer, we should, we should do that. Oh, the multiplayer in Syndicate is, is like Left for Dead or like Payday. It's a co op, it's a co op RPG where you're building a character. Uh, from mission to mission, and you're going from mission to mission, like robbing. It's a heist game. It's amazing. Uh, I, yeah. So the second thing I really like is the way hacking works in that game is that you just hit a button to hack something in the environment, and it fills up a kind of um, a bar similar to the active reload system in Gears of War, where you, if you let go of the 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 kind of hack button at the right time, you can shave a few seconds off the hacking. And the thing I love about it is the world doesn't stop being a shooter around you while you're doing that. And so there's lots of like, okay, I'm hitting the hack button while to, to open up this door over here or to hack this turret over here while I'm also still engaging with a shootout in this other part of my vision. And that sort of multitasking also feels really cyberpunky to me, right? Like, it, oh, okay, like I am subdividing my mind such that I'm, I am doing two very important tasks at once. Um, and that is like, it's a very small thing, but I think it is, again, really thematically right. And as far as action cyberpunk games go, it is very high on my list of, of things that, that get the genre right. Something else I, I think that makes it, uh, like, even in the case of these action games, right, they, they become very much games about teamwork and, mm. and, and bringing the pieces together. And I think that's the, you know, I, I had this thought while I was watching Ghost in the Shell the other night. Yeah. Uh, where uh, Kusanagi has this entire speech where she's talking about how the world's just getting more and more specialized. Yes. Uh, that every single person, like, you know, you're a Swiss Army knife, but they're increasingly breaking off the, the attachments and increasingly you're just being turned into one thing. And that's reflected in the team in the Ghost in the Shell, right? Like, mm -hmm. Kusanagi is the 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 oracle of, of the group, right? Like, he can go right. on missions, but by and large, he's sitting in his hacker nest uh, just being, like, eye in the sky. Um and I, I think you know when you when you see these things, like it lends itself to these really these really class systems, uh, mm -hmm. and it becomes a sort of like every scenario becomes a puzzle because you have all these really cool powers, but nobody like has more than one. Nobody you know right. nobody can do more than more than a couple things really really well. Uh, and, and so then it becomes like, how do you, you know, it, it's the crossing the river problem when you got the, you got the, you know, you got the, the cabbage, the goat and the wolf or whatever. Right. Uh, how do you, how do you get all, all these pieces across? Right. Uh, and, and I think that's when like that, that's why so many of these games, uh, you know, that, that really the less action it gets, the more it allows for that kind of planning and mm -hmm. forethought, the, the, the more satisfying it is. Well, and so like, if, if you'd like to, to kind of pivot a little bit here into talking about why I love Invisible Ink so much. Like, that is so it. Um, like like a lot of... So Invisible Ink is from Clay, and it came out last year also. Again, it had a long period of, of early access like Satellite Rain did. And Invisible Ink is a, is a, a kind of tactical roguelike, um, tactical team-based roguelike in which you are infiltrating corporate facilities, rescuing agents, upgrading your agents, robbing them blind... Uh, and then doing that again and again until you get to this big, just devious final mission. Um, and like recent things in the kind of roguelike and roguelite genres where you have a base character who might have some proficiencies and then throughout play they specialize, um, it really encourages that so much. Uh, and and it hits what you're just talking about where, you know, my, my current, I, I'm literally in the final stage of Invisible Ink run right now, Rob. Like I, I stopped playing Invisible <laughs> Ink to pick up the call from you um, in the final stage, in the devious, terrible, beautiful final stage uh, in which my team right now is uh, a guy named Shalem Eleven, who is one, that's a fantastic yeah. name for a cyberpunk agent, who has 
is the cyberpunk guy who just has a bunch of guns, right? Like he has a gun called a flurry gun that that can kill basically anybody on the map, but he can only fire it once per per map for per level, basically, uh, because it is it is it just it's like a nuclear powered thing and it burns up, right? Like oh, doesn't have any more energy in it. Uh, he also has like a long range uh, kind of sniper rifle that that knocks people out instead of killing them, and he has like a short range pistol. And I just like oh, he's the guy who kicks in the door, shoots somebody, drops the gun, pulls out a second gun, pulls out the SMG like clears the room with it uh then i have someone who is like all very cloaky and scouty named deckard obviously deckard a a classic reference uh who just you know breaks into places you know puts on one of his three cloaks i've given him so that he can like always always get in and out like if if anybody is going to die it is not going to be him uh and then i have um international who is like my super hacker lady and between those three it feels like that specialization that is so common in cyberpunk stories it's not just like oh i have a hacker class person it's someone who i've i've built very specifically through the course of play to be this type of hacker person versus something like satellite ring which again i like but like oh it's it's these are the abilities that this that all hackers are going to have eventually. All hackers in Satellite Rain by the end game are going to look like the same thing. Whereas in, in Invisible Ink, because you're building your classes by obtaining things in the missions themselves, by obtaining different weapon types, by obtaining cyber implants and stuff like that, you end up having a very different international in one game than you did in a different game. Uh, and I really like that about it. But it's still specialized, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, the specialization was sort of the heart of... Um you know, one of the more successful tactical uh, cyberpunk games, which I think I actually think the frozen synapse is, is yes. a cyberpunk game. Oh, it uh, absolutely because is. You, like somebody's basically tried to make that game since then. Uh, Door kickers, which is actually a, also right. a cool, a cool series. There's also uh, a game called lethal tactics, which I haven't checked out yet, but I just downloaded that seems to be a same time uh, uh, predictive tactics game that I really need to check out. Yeah. Uh, I, I have not heard of that one. Uh, if it's I'll link you to it later. Cause I'm, yeah. it, it seems like it has potential, but yeah. And then I, frozen synapse is just synapse. Have we decided they say synapse. I always hear them say <laughs> yes, synapse. They're from the UK. Okay. We, so we, we get to say synapse. Way. Okay. Phew. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for, this is a safe space where I can say frozen synapse, um, is a fantastic game and is again, lots of specialization. How much, how many, how much have you played frozen synapse? Uh, not not that much in a while. Uh, but I was I was pretty into it a few a few years back. Uh, but yeah, the, and it, it even has a campaign. Uh, mm-hmm. that's that's super classic. Like <laughs> you know, you just got to do these raids on this enemy corp. Uh, and it's the entire aesthetic is you know re- like remote mm-hmm. computer terminal satellite display, uh, which. There is there there is a, a subset of cyberpunk aesthetic. The more inhuman and cold you can make things, the the yep. better it is. And I think uh, Frozen Synapse like really lands on that because like all your soldiers are already ghosts, right? None of them have names. It is not XCOM. It is not Invisible Ink. They are all just bodies to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other thing I like about it, or you know, maybe to the point on specialization is. That game had a uh, an expansion pack called uh, Red, which one changed the 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 color tone from this blue, kind of very yeah yeah. It's still still computerized, right? Still very minimalistic, um, but but suddenly felt very stressful. Like again, kind of overwhelming. Oh God, I had missed this completely. When did this oh, come out? This came out in 2012, I think. Uh, like six, seven months after the original release. Oh, gosh. Uh, and here's the other thing it does is it adds a new unit. Um, it adds a shield unit that is just, it, it. oh, this is a new type of playing. Like this completely shifts how some of the strategy works and and every other unit changes because of it. And I really love that uh, about the game because like Invisible Ink, it's, it's a very tight chess-like game in which if a thing is going to happen it's going to happen there is not you know the, the, everything is very rule-based and and i think when you first start playing frozen synapse yeah. it is you know to, to, to lean into the metaphor a little bit maybe you can't see the matrix 
uh, so much. You can't like see what the code is. You just see two riflemen and one of them dies and you might not quite understand why one of them died. Um, but once right. you play a, lo- a long time with it, you go, oh, this one was, was standing in place. The other one stepped into this room. And the one who was standing takes priority because they're already stable. They're already a stabling fire platform. They don't have to stop for a second before taking the fire. Um, and yeah, I just, it is in that way, again, a, a pretty, um, uh, pretty much hits that the cyberpunk feeling of like data management of controlling information and using the, the not just the information you have at hand but how you understand systems work to your advantage uh it is a, it, it, you know if i had to give someone five strategy games i really do think one of them would have would be frozen synapse if i said rob you're going away on an island forever there'd be some civilization in there probably uh, there, there'd be, uh, you know, there would yeah. probably, I'd stick you with, I'd stick you with Masters of Orion 2 just, just to make you gain an appreciation of it after hating it for so long. I'm not hating yeah. it, but after, you know, sit with it. Let's see if maybe that changes. It's a little curiosity. And one of them would definitely be Frozen Synapse because I just think it is a fantastically deep, uh, yeah. and, and beautifully difficult game. Well, uh, I think, um, you know, an interesting place to leave this actually is I also think XCOM 2 is increasingly a cyberpunk game. You know, I have a friend staying over right now, and and he came out of the the guest room earlier and said, "You know, Austin, I think XCOM Two is just Invisible Ink." I said, like, "Excuse me." <laughs> no, uh, except it's 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 so not though, because like XCOM Two is all about like things will go wrong that doesn't remotely feel like they should. It's it's got okay. Invisible Inky touches. Okay, uh, and it's very much about like beating surveillance and and you know mm. enemy oversight and staying covert. Uh, but then the other part of it is it's a lot more uh, of an fu type game uh, okay. at, at times in in ways I'm not I am not sure about yet. Uh, but I think we'll leave our discussion of of cyberpunk uh, off there for, for the moment. Uh, I hope we get a chance to to chat about this again. But in the meantime, uh, I I think we didn't talk about it last year, but I think satellite rain turns out to be way way more uh than was sort of promised uh on, yeah. on the kickstarter definitely I, you know it's one of those games that i'm i'm seeing again and again for the cheap and it's if it's a great steam sale game it's a great sunday afternoon I, should i play a thing what should i i'll check out satellite rain it's a great one of those that's kind of how i came to it and i was really glad to easy to devour in chunks too yes because uh, totally. you can do raid on a facility and and wrap it up uh, yep. the, the one thing I throw in, I, I don't think the, the real-time economy works entirely that well. Because you can always just sort of wait for your bank to build up just by hanging out. Yep, hack like a few a ATMs and, and yeah. just wait. Uh, but, or, or I, you know, maybe that's maybe there's a thing here of just like, or you can always go knock over a bank. It, it'll cause a little trouble, but yep. you'll get the money you want right when you need it. And that's yeah. that's a pretty fun – That's a, knocking over banks should be in more tactical games. Yes, I, I think yes, we like payday's fun, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I I think there should be more like, um, yeah, more like Michael Mann films as strategy game. God, yes, that, that's someone get on that. Yep. All right, so that will do it for this episode of Three Moves Ahead. Uh, this episode was produced by Michael Hermes and is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, but until then, this is Rob Zachney saying good night.